Um, but it is great to be here this morning. You know, sometimes we forget, or at least I do, that how important it is that we come together and that we, we gather together. And this week when it was threatened, to be honest, I was a little concerned. And, and this morning, I'm even more thankful that we're here this morning. It just kind of brings that back around and brings it to, to focus that how important it is that we come together and we worship together and that uh, we not forsake the gathering. So I am very happy to be here and um, it's a joy to be here. That being said, we have a lot going on. What? Get out? No, I wouldn't say that. No. You never know what you're going to hear, you know, and that, that's, not, that's not planned at all. That's all, that's all. That's good. Amanda, I am glad you're here, and I don't want you to leave. So. Uh, but it's a joy. And again, this morning I want to focus on joy, and it's a, an acrostic that I want to use this morning, and that's my big word for the day. So I'm all done. So everything else will be a little bit smaller. But joy, and what does the J stand for? Jesus. Anyone want to guess what J stands for? You guys, come on. Everyone knows that, right? Jesus, right? Jesus is always the right answer. If you didn't know that, I learned that long ago. In fact, there was a a Sunday school teacher uh, growing up, and again, this has probably been told before, but she asked this little boy, and she said, you know, hey, who built the ark? And again, she's looking for the response of Noah, and the little boy goes, no, Jesus. And she teaches us, no, no, little Johnny, no, it's not, it's not Jesus. It was Noah. Noah built the ark. But the little boy and the Sunday school teacher went home, she thought about it, and she goes, you know what? The instructions on how to build the ark came from God, came from Jesus. Same thing with Daniel in the, the lion's den or Daniel in the fiery furnace. Jesus was there. He's with there all the steps. So Jesus is always the right answer. So, so J is for Jesus. As we go through, you'll, you'll see here that often this morning. But, and what do you think O stands for? Wow, who said that? Who said that first? Amanda, I got a prize for you. <laughs> oh. I never thought that that would be such a valuable gift. You know, others, thinking of others. Yes, I, huh? No, that's it. That's it. Only one. Come on now. We have to be, think of others, right? We can't hoard it. We can't keep them all to ourselves. It's a very hot commodity. That's a valuable gift back there. No, others. So I couldn't help myself, huh? Your 401k on a roll. That's right. Others. And then what do you think the Y stands for? Yourself. Yeah, I don't have any more toilet paper, so that's it. It was a one and done. But, but others is good. That's right. He'll share. There we go. Good point. So as we look at that, and that, that recipe works, especially in today's world. It works uh, in Scripture. We see it over and over again, and, and even part of CMA. Um, Joe, you mentioned membership class and information, right? CMA puts a huge focus on Jesus. Jesus is first. He's our Savior. He's our healer. He's our sanctifier. He's our coming king. And how important that is that we not lose focus of who Jesus is. And despite everything that's going on around us, if we can focus on him, things are going to be all right. You know, little did I know when I was working through 1 Peter the first of the year, remember we were talking about suffering and things and things going on around us in the world and how we have to respond correctly as, as believers. Did I know that things are going to be where they are today? But Jesus is still on the throne. He's still the focal point. He's still the one that we can count on. Nothing's changed as far as he's concerned. This didn't catch him by surprise. And so Jesus is first. And then I say others, and then you, yourself, right? And if you get those out of order, you're in trouble, right? 
There becomes fear. It becomes chaos. There becomes anxiety. And we see that. We see that in our world. We see it in our media. So, with that being the backdrop, I want to kind of launch into this morning um, scripture. We're going to look at Luke chapter 14. I have to make sure I remember that because I'm actually working on another message for Good Friday service, uh, that ecumenical service you saw. And, and it's, not, it's kind of unusual that I'm working on a message ahead that far out. Using my brain can only hold one message at a time, and I, you know, I have to work at that. And, and I actually used part of Luke this week at Breath of Life. But I'm working on it, and it was great to see that you know, the songs this morning reflected the cross. Because that message of Good Friday is all about the cross. And so it's a reminder for me. And again, probably like you, Easter's kind of crept up on you. Do you realize it's only like a few weeks away? Yeah, it's coming. It's coming real soon. I'm glad to see the sun is up now by six, though. So, I mean, it's a little bit later this year than others. But that being said, I want to jump into the Scripture. And again, the Scripture in the Gospels is Jesus' teaching. He's teaching his disciples. The time is getting short. He's coming under persecution. He's coming under, you know, the, the Pharisees have already plotting against him. And he's teaching his disciples, and he's preparing them for what's to come. There's some hard times. There's going to be some things coming, and Jesus is preparing them for that. And again, he's the great teacher. Verse 25 is where I'm picking up the story here. As I mentioned, Jesus is teaching. He's getting ready. Verse 25 says, Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. It's a tough couple of verses, right? I've wrestled with those verses. I've struggled with those you know, a family man, I'm a dad, I'm a father, and again, my kids, they mean a lot to me. Grandkids, that's even another whole level of love, right? My wife, certainly. But that can't get ahead of my love for Jesus, right? It's got to be the focal point. I've got to start with my relationship with God first. It can't get out of order, Right? And part of being a disciple is putting those relationships secondary and underneath my love for Jesus. Now I know because I've been a believer for a long time, I've also realized the better I love Jesus, the better I love my wife, the better I love my kids, the more loving I can be to others. But I don't know that at first. And I need that reminder as well. Put Jesus first. Then my wife and my kids... And you that are single have a little bit easier, right? You should have your relationship with Jesus and then extended family, church family. Notice I haven't mentioned ourselves, right? Again, keeping with that, that joy. Again, hard verses. And again, he's preparing his disciples. It's going to cost them, and many of them, it's going to cost them their lives. Not too distant future. And Jesus is preparing them for that. Then as Jesus likes to do, he's a great teacher, like I said. So he tells these little short stories. He helps illustrate them. 
And so he does that for us. And again, it's, it's a great, it brings it to life. Right? Uh, he's going to use parables. He's going to use short stories. He's going to use examples um, to kind of bring the point to. But it is always in mind with a spiritual teaching. So keep that in mind as we go through these. Because we're going to go through a couple of parables this morning as well. But verse 28 says, Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down to foundate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he lays the foundation and it's not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, this fellow began a building and was not able to finish. Again, another set of verses, another, another wrestling, at least for me and, and probably for you at times, right? Again, we count the cost and sometimes we have to be careful that we don't count it so much that we, we never do it. But the other side of it is if we just jump in and we don't think about it, right? We never complete it. It never gets to completion or to the end. It's going to cost us something to follow Jesus. And again, in light of the verses before, it may cost us some of our relationship with some of our family members. I don't know about you, but I have family members that aren't believers. And you know what? My relationship with them is not the same as I have relationship with those who are believers. Or even some of you. I have closer relationship with you and our church family, more closer than I do with some of my own family members. Because you know what? The most important thing in my life, I can't talk to them about. I mean, I can share Christ, but they can't relate. They don't understand. There's a disconnect there. So it's going to cost something. Again, in light here, it's going to cost them their lives. But interesting too, just even in the, if you look at it on the project level, right? If you start something, you don't complete it, it's going to be laughed at. Um, we used to, to joke when we were in Hungary, there was no, there's no property tax, right? And, and, and there's no, building is hard there. There's not loans given out for construction loans like there is here in the United States. And so it's not uncommon in a village to see a lot of half-done houses, you know, they may have the, 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 the walls built, but no windows in them. They may have it get as far as a roof, and, and that's pretty good. They're getting pretty close. But again, there's no doors, and so, you know, it's animals running through, and, and it may stay that way for years. We, we saw places that were never completed. And it looks silly in front, so they abandoned houses. Again, they, they didn't have the finances. They didn't have it up front, so they only got partway through. Think about it as your faith, though, as well, right? We claim to be believers. We claim to be Christians, right? If we react like the world, we can be ridiculed as well, right? People know that you're a believer, and we don't act like it. Again, it's the same thing as not being completed. Again, not that we're not all working on that, but again, that's part of that, working through all the way, counting the cost. Again, if that's not enough, he gives us another example here about a king. He said these stories have spiritual meaning, but they're also good to kind of hone it in a little bit. Verse 31, or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Will he not first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming with him with 20,000? If he's not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long ways off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, again, the same way as before, same way, if any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. 
right? So he's just using another example, but another, you know, if you see something coming, you see trouble coming and you don't consider it or, or you don't have the means, be careful. Look ahead. Prepare for it. Think about it. I think even in light of, of today, you know, having service or not having service, you know, we, we were wrestling through that this week. And again, considering the cost. And again, certainly if someone's not here this morning, I would ask that you would call them, reach out to them, and make sure they're all right this week. There are some folks, there are some folks that, that fell ill this morning. They've, they've already contacted me and said, hey, I just don't feel quite right. We're just going to stay home. There may be some that are living in fear, and they're not here because they, are, they do fear. And that's okay. Really, it's okay. But we need to encourage them. We need to you know, let them know that we did miss them and that they are part of our church body. That's part of our testimony, part of our witness. Next verse. Next two verses, actually, they go together. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Again, that's a Jewish phrase, and that means, hey, pay attention. Uh, kind of like that's a Charlie version. Pay attention. You know? Wake up. This is important. Right? But saltiness. Again, kind of goes back to that testimony of the believer and how we live and how important that is. Right? But we can lose that testimony. We become complacent or we give in to our fears and the temptations of this world. Right? That salt changes the circumstances. Think of it that way. Right? you're salty and you change the flavor, right? It changes the flavor of meat. You know I love meat. You know I love a good steak. You know I like it to be marinated a little bit, right? And usually one of the things that marinate somewhere in there is salt, right? Because it has an effect on it. Saltiness has an effect on that other person if we want to use people in this regard. It should be changing. It should be having some influence on it. If you have some unbelieving friends and you're not having an influence on them, you may need to check yourself. Now, it may be them. They just may not be ready yet, but it also could be me. I may not be the best testimony anymore, or maybe I've lost some of my, my fervor or, or part of that. And in these times, we have great opportunity. I've gotten probably more questions from people this week than I have in, in, in a month. Charlie, what's your take on this? What's going on? What do, you, what do you think? Interestingly enough, a lot of them have been asking questions about end times. Is this the end times? Is this the great tribulation? Where does that all fall? And certainly, it's a great opportunity to launch into those. But in some ways, it's sad in another way that it's taking something this big to get people interested. You know, how come they weren't asking before? And again, it's a self-check for me. Maybe I haven't been as forthright or I haven't been as bold in my witness. And so it's something to think about. Are we still salty? Are we still having an impact? Chapter 15. Again, we've been talking about Jesus first, others, certainly here, impacting others, and then lastly, ourselves. But again, others and, and yourself kind of go, go secondary. So we're going to jump into 15 a little bit here. And again, it's, we kind of get this set up here. The next three parables actually go together. We're going to do two of them this morning, but the next three parables actually go together, or I think they go together. Most commentators agree with that. But here's the setup. Here's the context around it. It says, Now the tax collectors 
and the sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Again, the context, right? Jesus has got this, this, this group that's kind of tailing him. They're trying to hear what he has to say. And Jesus is teaching good things, yet they're not happy. And they're, they're judging him on by what they see. They're judging him on, hey, he's a threat, right? Certainly Jesus is being salty. He has no problem with that. He's standing out. But guess what? Sometimes when you do that, it's not always perceived well. It's not always received from the whole entire group. In fact, they're saying, hey, look who he's hanging out with. Again, tax collectors, April 15th, it's coming. I know it's a reminder in case you wanted that. It's a freebie, right? But you remember, tax collectors were not well liked in that, that day. They were pretty low on the, on the totem pole. But you got to remember the position kind of put them in that, that spot. Again, they were really working for the Roman government. And so they were collecting taxes. And again, you're under, you're under captivity. You're paying taxes to someone that you don't like someone that, that's not providing much for you. You're just giving money away. And the tax, the tax collector's job was to get that money, but also the only way they derived a, an income or any way they made money was they would charge you more than the tax. So it was a tax plus, right? So if you didn't hate, if you didn't hate giving to the Romans, is that, that wasn't bad enough. You also had to give to a tax collector who was one of you who was collecting even more than that and putting it in his own pocket. And he didn't have a lot of choice because he's the person that would rat you out to the Roman government if you didn't pay. And guess what? Harsh place to be. Jail, imprisonment, enslavement, that all came. Harsh penalties for not paying the Roman tax. But they were pretty shady. So you can imagine, tax collectors are not well-liked. And again, um, they get singled out a lot in Scripture. It's a good context to remember. And again, the Pharisees see him hanging out with them saying, hey, Jesus must be like them. Right? They're, they're judging and put them in that category. So that's the backdrop. And Jesus knows this. And so, like he likes to do, is he teaches through that. Because again, remember, there's more people there than just the Pharisees. And so he's teaching and he uses this parable. He says, then Jesus tells him, verse 3, this parable, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulder and goes home. Then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and say, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over the one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. does a great job with this story. He actually explains it. It's set up well. And sometimes, depending on where you're at in this story, you know, if you're part of the 99, you may not see it. You may not rejoice. You may not feel that, that gladness when you see that. But I'll tell you what, if you're that one, that's gotten off track, you're that one sinner, and Jesus finds you in that spot at that moment, guess what? That's huge. That's a big deal, especially to you at that moment. Sometimes I don't know that we realize and that we celebrate that as much. 
right? Let's be honest. Sometimes when we see a sinner come back and get back in, we, we kind of, we're a little re- reluctant, right? We kind of hold back and say, well, we'll see how long this lasts, right? Said those exact words, right? And it's part of their cycle, right? Now, again, I know sometimes we say that flippantly, and sometimes there are people that do go through cycles, and they do this, but you know what? That's not how Jesus looks at it. That's not how he judges that person. We should rejoice when that person repents and comes back. Again, the fact that the Father goes to that length for just one. Remember, he's left 99. Think of that in in the, in the, the business of tending sheep, right? We did a little bit on that with Jesus being the good shepherd, right? Sheep need a lot of care. In some ways, there's a lot of risk in leaving the 99 to go after the one. But it's important just like you're important, each and every one of you. Kind of brings it a little bit closer to home. Like I said, the parables kind of go together here, and so the next one follows the same student. It's very similar. Like I said, these three go together. And he goes, or, verse 8, or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I found my lost coin. In the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Again, similar story, just some different things in there, and little pieces in there. One of the things that I like about this, that it adds a little bit, is the, the, uh, the fervent of this, this, this person who's looking for the coin. Right? She's searching. She's searching in the middle of the night. That's not the, the normal time. She's not going to wait till morning. Right? It's important right now. How many times has God laid someone on your heart? You know? And I've always said this. A lot of times when God lays someone on your heart or someone that you need to go and speak to, it's not convenient. You know? Sometimes it is in the middle of the night or it's, it's not a good time in your life, Right? I tell this to, to people that, that want to get into ministry. Just so you know, ministry is not convenient. Right? Some of you have been in, some of you are shaking your heads. You know that, right? It's not convenient. Very seldom is. A lot of times it's, it doesn't fit into our plans. It's not how we would line it up. You know, I even joke, I, I get together with a lot of pastors and we say, man, it would be great if somehow ministry was just lined up like the regular business world, right? Nine to five, we, you know, we get up at a certain time, we have our coffee, we go into the office, we do ministry, we, five o'clock it ends, we go home and we can forget about it. It's not realistic. It's not how ministry works. Again, it costs something. It's a sacrifice. Remember, it costs something to be a disciple. It costs something to do ministry as well. It costs something. When God lays someone on your heart, it may not be convenient, but it needs to be done. It's important. Certainly it's important to Jesus. and It's important to us as well. So you have these two parables. And the next one we're not going to go through as much, but I just want to, as we close this morning and we look at it a little bit more, but it's one of my favorite, and maybe it sounds familiar to you, but I'm just going to kind of summarize a little bit, but it's the parable of the lost son, right? The prodigal son. Some of you have that in your Bibles and And some of you that know me and know my testimony, I fit into that. I've always told you, you can just take out the prodigal son and insert Charlie Bolster in there. So I I resonate with this story. As a believer, leaving the faith and walking away and sinning boldly, 
and then God calling me back. Again, this parable is a little bit different. And if you haven't read it in a while, I encourage you to do it this week. It's in Luke chapter 15. But read through it and you, you see how far this person's gone. But yet, the father is anxiously waiting. In fact, if you look at it, he's actually running out towards to meet the son to come back. He's going out. Again, he's not judging him. He knows where he's been. He knows the things he's done, but he's going out to meet him. He's been looking and just waiting for him to come back. And when he does, he celebrates. Great feast. And if you know that story at all, there's also the other brother, right? You know, the brother struggles with that. And again, we can be part of that as well. We can not be looking for that brother to come back. We, can't, we can be looking at it with either being skeptic or, hey, wait until he... Or, that's not fair. You know, why is he getting all the attention? Why is that so important? Right? I've been faithful. I've been here. I've been doing what I'm supposed to do. So this parable shows a lot. But again, it's important, especially important to Jesus. And if it's important to him, it needs to be important to us. So in all these stories... We see how important, who's first? Jay, Jesus. We're going to get this part, at least this week. We're going to get this one, I know. Jay is Jesus. Oh, others. Only one roll of toilet paper, but others, right? Others are important. And that other can be other as in that sinner returns, that other, that unbelieving person, that other can be even our family members. Others is other. And I haven't talked a lot about you, unless you happen to be the, the you who God is still going after and seeking, and you may not be here this morning, but the you, and why I say that's last, is because we tend to get that out of order the most, right? That kind of goes a little bit back with the being convenient, right? In ministry and things, we want things in our timing or our way, right? We need to be, be lower on that list, how we treat others, right? We don't have any problem usually, and I, I've said this before, but we don't have any trouble loving ourselves, if we want to be honest, right? It's easy to love ourselves. I've heard that said over and over. Oh, you have to love yourself first before you can love others. Can't back that up anywhere in Scripture, right? Certainly Jesus didn't operate that way. Thank goodness, right? Right? Others before ourselves. Yeah, not that Jesus doesn't love, not that you're not important, certainly. And you're important to us as believers in the family. We're, 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 we love you, but we have to be careful that we don't let ourselves get in the way, that we get ahead of that. So kind of giving you a lot this morning to kind of mull about, and I can tell you guys, some of you are thinking, like, and, and you probably identify with at least one of those positions, but don't lose your joy this week. Hopefully you'll remember that this week. Remember who's first. Who's first in your life? Jesus. Like I said, he's in control. He's still on the throne. And then think of others, right? Others are important. They're more important. They have value. Again, whether they're believers or unbelievers, they're still important to Jesus. He died on the cross for all of them. Again, as we prepare for Easter, we're going to celebrate that. Each and every one of us. Again, we were that lost person. 
And then don't forget about yourself, certainly. Say, you are important. You do matter to God. God wants to use you. He has a mission for you. There's a ministry opportunity for you that he has planned. He wants to use you to be salty. Bow with me, please. Gracious Heavenly Father, may you use these simple these simple words, Lord, to impact our lives. Help us to keep them in mind when things around us get chaotic. Lord, may you continue to calm our spirit. May you continue to, to use your word and your presence in our lives that we not lose focus on you, that we not lose focus on others. Lord, give us opportunities, even though it may not be convenient, give us opportunities even today and this week to reach others for you. And Lord, we just thank you and we praise you for the gift of salvation. We thank you and praise you for the the body of Christ. And we thank you for this morning coming together. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.